everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm the hands behind Lovecraft Crochet, my plush user for the anxious, depressed, autistic, and neurodivergent. Small enough to travel in a purse, backpack, diaper bag, or even your pocket. You can check out my Facebook page or TikTok to see what patterns are available, and stay tuned for the new ones coming out. I also make hats, scarves, blankets, and dice bags for the tabletop gamer or dice goblin in your life. Feel free to order through the page, TikTok DMs, or via email at love.craft.crochet at gmail.com. Now, on to the segment. Due to the graphic and disturbing nature of the crimes discussed, listener discretion is advised. Retrostatic Radio presents Killing 15 Minutes. Hello and welcome to Killing 15 Minutes, where you get your true crime fix in 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. I'm your writer, Sam Rossi, and shortly I'll be handing over a rough draft of a script to my brother, AJ, who hasn't read it, who most likely has no idea what we're talking about. This should be fun. Good luck, bro. Thanks, sissy. Ernst August Wagner, or Wagner, technically, it's probably... Ernst August Wagner, since he was a German teacher who snapped on September 4th, 1913, killing 14 people. So I think this is going to be one of those, I can't deny this is a spree killer. Yep. Born September 22nd, 1874 in Eglesheim, near Ludwigsburg. I don't like German names. Give me some Welsh in here, that'll be fine. Born September 22nd, 1874 in Eaglesheim, near Ludwigsburg, as the ninth of ten children. Most of his siblings died early, though, as was the, as was the fashion of the time. Yes. In 1913, only two sisters and one brother survived. His father died before Wagner's second birthday. They sold the farm. His mother remarried, but due to Mama being a hoe, she was divorced by his seventh birthday. Uh, is that a literal hoe or a metaphorical hoe? Mama liked to sleep around. Okay, see, that would be a metaphorical whore. Okay. She's a slut then. Whores get paid. This is true. Ernst, who was known as Widow's Boy. <laughs> really? Really. Ah, that old slut widow has a boy, you know. Yep. Why the hell is this the most redneck thing and it's in Germany? Ernst, who was known as Widow's Boy in the village had depression and suicidal thoughts. He was quite intelligent and did well enough to get a stipend. This allowed him to become a teacher. I'm assuming a stipend is something similar to like a um, a uh, scholarship. Yeah, he was able to uh, get paid to go to school. Yeah. After his qualifying exams, he worked as an auxiliary teacher at several schools in Rothenburg from 1894 to 1901. Though in April 1900, he was suspended for six months because of severe nervousness and irritability. He then went to Switzerland for two months, where he tried to sell his poems to newspaper. In July 1901, Wagner was assigned to a teaching position at Mulhausen and their ends. He stayed until 1902. During the summer of 1901, he became drunk and sodomized an animal. How the fuck do they know? Okay, this is going to sound stupid, and I'm totally going off script here. We always, we always get these fucking things in all of these where it's like, you know, oh, in 1872, this person, you know, sodomized a goat. How do we know? How do we know? But how do we know? 
I'm just saying. I, did I he turn around when, when he gets fucking more. caught? Is he just like, hey, not not to, you know, while he's shooting people in the fucking head or however the fuck he snapped and killed people, is he going, and this is for the f- goat I fucked? Seriously, how do we know? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know. Does the CIA exist right there? Just be in 1901 going, for no reason, we know he sodomized an animal. I'm sorry. I know that. I, I, I know. think we talk about it more in the next coming paragraphs. Maybe I can't remember. I, I just, I just, it, it comes up in everything. You know, it's like I kind of understand the when we find out. Okay, he was injecting himself with rabbit blood. Okay, that's probably something he would say. Yeah. Because that would be relevant to I'm a vampire. Yeah. You know, but when it comes to you know, on oh, he was a uh, molesting cows down by the river. It's like, I mean, maybe it comes up, you know, but okay, I'm just going to continue. Just wanted that little absurdist take of how do we keep finding, uh, how do we find, like Jeffrey Dahmer, I kind of get why we found out all his weird shit. Uh, yes, he told all about his weird shit. <laughs> he went, but this is 1901. Well. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going back to the script now. He became wary and increasingly suspicious that others knew. Ah, wow, that was another one of those, read the next sentence and my rant does not matter. Okay, so he became wary and increasingly suspicious that others knew that he had sodomized an animal. He began to see signs and hints that the villagers were mocking him for this act. So he bought a revolver, which he always carried from that point on. That same year, Wagner began an affair with Anna Schlecht, the daughter of a local innkeeper. He hated the Schlecht family, thinking his would-be father-in-law hated him, and tried to avoid marriage. However, marriage came when Anna became pregnant. She gave birth in 1902 to a daughter, Clara. Wagner's mother, whom he was close to, died in December 1902. He was transferred to Roselstaden, a poor and isolated village. Although bitter about the placement, it eased his feelings of constant persecution even though the incident still haunted him. On December 29, 1903, he married Anna in Ludwigsburg, mostly due to outside pressure. He never loved nor feigned to love her, but while he treated her kindly, he considered her a servant. In the summer of 1904, he went to Switzerland. He attempted suicide twice while in Switzerland, once by drowning himself and another by jumping off a bridge, though both attempts failed. He said he had been too weak to die. In the following years, Anna bore four more children. In the following years, okay, bore four more children, concluding in 1909 with the birth of Rudolf Alfred Wagner, who was on, oh, Rudolf Alfred, period. You skip the period here. The only reason I know that is because Wagner was unhappy with more children and complained about the financial stress of leading, of feeding his family. He was indifferent to the interruption of his birthday in 1909 by infant Rudolf's death. Sometime in 1906 or 1907, thinking people from Mulhausen had shared the knowledge about the incident, the feeling of being ridiculed and watched by others returned, and as a consequence, he started to plan his revenge on those that had caused his misery, the villagers, and especially the men of Mulhausen. In the fall of 1907, he bought the first Mauser pistol, the second one in 1909, and with his beloved bicycle, he made extensive journeys throughout surrounding areas and sharpened his shooting skills in remote forests. Between 1909 and 1911, he made several requests to transfer schools, which were granted. Oh, really? 
On May 1st, 1912, he started at a school in Degerlach, a suburb of Strottengart. At that time, he had decided to avenge the derision he had endured, or that he saw. He saw hints of people knowing at his new workplace, and initially chose the spring of 1913 to put it to the place, but finally determined that the last days of summer holiday would be the time for his revenge. In days leading to the murders, he wrote several letters to explain his deed. Wagner began his killing spree on September 4, 1913, at 5 a.m., when he attacked his sleeping wife with a blackjack, a club-like weapon, with a weighted end, before stabbing her numerous times. He then stabbed his four children. They never woke up. After covering the bodies with blankets, he washed himself up before packing a bag, including the three guns, 320 rounds, a veil from his wife, and a belt. Wagner left home, leaving a note on the door, that they were in Ludwigsburg, as well as another one on the door of his landlord, ordering milk and leaving a payment. He rode his bike to Stuttgart, then took a train to Ludwigsburg. There he bought a backpack. He made his way to his brother's house in Uglesheim, arriving around 11 a.m. As his brother was not at home, telling his sister-in-law that he wanted to stay the night after retrieving his children from Mulhausen, and as it could be late, the house should stay unlocked for him. In an undisclosed, in an unobserved moment, he hid 228 rounds in a haystack in the garden. His niece and nephew escorted Wagner to the next train station. He took a train from Bietelheim around 1 p.m. From there, he traveled towards Grusbachensheim, where he mailed letters to several people, among them some of his relatives. One of them to his sister read, Take poison, Ernst, and, theolog and theologian and philosopher Christopher Schrempt, as well as a newspaper. He returned to Beitheim and then got his bike checked by a mechanic and mailed two copies of his autobiography, one again to Christopher Schrempt. Around 7 p.m., he left her Mulhalven and Drenz. Wagner reached the hills near Mulhausen around 11 p.m. He put on the belt, put a cap on, and took the two Mausen C-96s, as well as a handbag full of the remaining ammunition, the black veil, and a file. And a file. Maybe it comes up later. I don't remember if it does at all. His bicycle and the revolver he left in a cornfield. Next, Wagner set out to cut the telephone lines into the village. But the poles looked too high, and it had begun raining, so he did not proceed with that part of the plan. I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> it was pretty funny when I read it. He continued to Mulhausen. He set four barns on fire. With his lower face covered by the veil, he hunted the streets for men to shoot. Wagner later claimed that his female victims were all accidents. In total, he used 80 rounds and shot 20 people, instantly killing eight of them, as well as two animals, including the one who spurned him. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm sorry. We're in a heavy moment. <laughs> and he also lit several buildings on fire before the village, with the help of the military, managed to extinguish the fires. A ninth person was mortally wounded and died a few hours later. At one point, Wagner forgot to reload his weapon, and three men were able to strike him down with hoes and sabers. He suffered several wounds to his face and right hand, and left hand was smashed and nearly cut off. He had been left for dead. 
Around 2 a.m., a police officer found his body, still breathing. When he regained consciousness, Wagner immediately confessed to killing his family and stated that he would have killed himself in the end. But as this was now impossible, he would appreciate if he'd be sentenced to death and decapitation. On the evening of September 5, 1913, Wagner, after voicing concerns, was brought to a hospital in Vagelgen. Vahingen? Vahingen. His left forearm was amputated. Wagner was found not guilty by reason of insanity, the first person to do so in Wurtemsburg. He was diagnosed by multiple psychiatric assessments with paranoia. He was brought to an asylum in Wintenthal. He died of tuberculosis on April 27, 1938. Whoo, doggy! Uh... This actually is a lot. This is the perfect example of mental health and a lot of external factors leading to... Somebody snapping. Because, I mean, yeah, he probably grew up, not necessarily in an abusive home. I don't believe you brought that up. No, I... Most of these people do, but just being a member of eight, you know, and then all that, that's going to cause issues. Yeah, particularly if they're dying off. Exactly. And then you have... The random act of sodomy. <laughs> but the point is is that even even if it wasn't, you know, even if he didn't sodomize an animal, even, even if it was just, there would have always been something that made him go, everyone's against me. And given the time period, it's not exactly like, you know, there were people, there, there, were, there were, you know, a lot of outlets for it. Right. So that builds and builds and builds. A change of scenery is going to cause issues too. Because that's added more anxiety and nervousness and stress onto the paranoia. And so, yeah, I don't got a lot of jokes to make on this one. Yeah. I tried not to anyways. But it's one of those things where, goddamn. <laughs> well, yeah, the next one's even better. He might be a two-parter. Oh, Jesus. All right. So what do you got to say to the lovely people? Thank you for listening. Now, please, go over to our Patreon and... Donate. Even $1 will help us do anything. But you can also get your own person up here, as well as your name going, hey, this person suggested this person, so we're doing this person. For a 15-minute or... Or you can jump over to Overkilling, same Patreon, and be like, yo, I love this episode of 15, but can you go more in-depth on it? Sure thing. I don't know what tier that is, though. Oh, we haven't picked the tier for that yet. Fair enough. So get in there while the getting's good, because until there's a tier, generally it's up to five. You give us money and say, hey, can you do this? We'll do it. Until there's a tier. So get in while the getting's good. And also, please follow us on our social medias on Facebook at Killing 15 Minutes. It's actually blowing up right now, which is awesome. Or Twitter, which I have been lax on, I will admit that. But that's at 15, uh, Killing 15 Mins, because minutes would not fit. Yep. And, as always, go listen to Overkilling, 15 minutes. That is, we are finishing up the deep dive on um, Peter Sutcliffe. That might be done by now. So it's going to be Anthony Chicatilla. Andre Chicoletto. Whatever. I'm <laughs> tired. I'm going to bed. Later, y'all. Killing 15 Minutes is hosted by Arthur Carey with scripts written and researched by Sam Rossi. If you like this episode or want to stay updated on this series, consider following Killing 15 Minutes on Patreon or Retrostatic Radio on all major social media platforms. Good night and God bless.
You're watching Retro Static Radio.